today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Don't give up on sharing the hope of the gospel. They might hear, again, that message sitting right with someone. You, you might have four or five people there, and you're just sitting there at a coffee table or at a restaurant. You're sharing that message with a multitude uh, of three or four, and the same words, the same impact, the same scriptures you're, you're sharing with them. One's going to receive it. One says, I'll receive it later. I'll talk later and one will totally reject. That's just the reality and the truth of where humanity is. But we don't stop sharing the gospel. Our call from God is to spread the word of God and be his light in this world of darkness. Never cease sharing the gospel. In today's message, Pastor David reminds us that it's not up to us who receives our message. The Holy Spirit works in people's lives through us, but we cannot make anyone accept Jesus as the truth. Our role is to never give up. We need to be bold for Christ and steer people toward Him. You never know when someone's heart is ready for the truth. Be that speaker of truth. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message from the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 to establish and guard. Paul knew full well that our prayers, guys, our prayers cannot be structured or stale or sterile prayers. A rote prayer spoken from an empty heart and directed at no one in particular is an absolutely powerless prayer. If we truly don't have a relationship with Christ, if we truly don't know God as our Father, that we can come into his very presence, into the very throne room of glory, cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. These are the cares, these are the concerns, these are the issues. These are the things that are troubling my heart. If if I don't know that, if I don't understand that, then really I'm praying to something I don't know. And if, I, if, if my prayer life is limited to a, 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 a book of prayers or a, a rote prayer that we say, beloved, is our heart engaged in the midst of those things? Can a written prayer be meaningful? Absolutely. But it's got to be more than just ink on a page, gang. It's got to be the attitude of our heart. I know that some church uh, traditions, uh, books of prayers and particular prayers that they say, I have no particular issue with that as long as the ink leaves the paper by way of our heart before it ascends into heaven. Because if it simply goes from the paper into heaven, I believe it becomes meaningless, powerless at that point. And Paul here, 
He's asking for two very specific prayers with definite and hoped for uh, outcomes that he has. The first one, the first prayer, he's found at the end of verse one. He says, pray for us. And the thing he says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. He desired that the word of the gospel would would continue to, to spread across the region. You realize that Paul did not get the opportunity to preach to everybody in that region. He went to particular cities, and within those particular cities, sometimes he would go to the synagogue, other times he would just meet with believers, depending upon where the gospel had, uh, again, transitioned at that point in time. But there were multitudes of people that Paul never spoke to. So the important thing was, is the message that he gave to the ones that he did speak to, that that message would spread to them, from them to others within that region, and from them to others beyond that, and from them others beyond that. Beloved, that's, that's the principle of multiplication. Uh, that's the principle of one telling two, those two telling six, those six telling 18, those 18 telling 48, and on and on it goes. If it's up for one person, to proclaim the gospel, how slow the transition in the message of the gospel goes. But God has called for all of us to be the proclaimers and the message of the gospel. There's people that you know, that you're close with, that will never enter these doors, that'll never turn on a Christian radio. They'll never open up a Bible. As a matter of fact, you are the only Bible that they know. You're the living word of God in that individual's life. Now, if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what does. Because you might be the only actively involved Christian that they know. And when I speak about actively involved, I mean a true believer. There's many people that say, oh yes, I'm a Christian. I was born in America, wasn't I? Or my my parents were Christians, so I must be a Christian. No, it doesn't come that way. When they look at you, this friend, this coworker, this neighbor, whomever it might be, because they don't read the Bible, because they don't go to any place that preaches the true word of God, they see you and you are the one. And from you is where the gospel message continues to flow. The impact of lives once they receive by faith the truth of God's word, then through that, the Holy Spirit transforming that life and the word of the Lord then is glorified in that life just as it was in the lives of the Thessalonians as they spread out. Because if you'll remember, uh, as we've looked at this, Paul has bragged on them, man, I've heard all that you guys are doing all throughout that region. Paul knew that the message of the gospel wasn't being maintained in this nice, quiet, safe group. But the reality of changed lives was making an influence on their community, just as for your lives, our lives together, ought to. The word of the Lord might run swiftly and be glorified. Secondly, his request for prayer touched on on an, an, an immediate need of his ministry team. Look at verse two. He asked for prayer that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. Unreasonable and wicked men. And then Paul says probably one of the greatest understatements that you can read in the Bible. For not all have faith. For not all. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but not all have faith. Okay, We'll look at that in a moment. But right now, the, the, this ongoing spiritual attack 
that, that was coming against Paul, this ongoing attack upon the word of the Lord had taken a, a physical position or stand in this direct persecution and, and pushback against Paul and the ministry team. Uh, when they had first come to Thessalonica, you remember the Jews from Philippi came down and began pushing and, and attacking and, and, and bringing persecution against them while they were there in Thessalonica. They were only able to be there for just a, a, a very short time. Three Saturdays or three Sabbaths in the synagogue. From there, they went out of the synagogue, continued teaching, but only for a few short other weeks because of the persecution that came. Then once they left there, they went on and more persecution, more persecution. The spiritual attack takes on a physical reality as it comes against the work and the ministry of the gospel. Those that came against the message of Christ, came against the apostle, and came against all that he was desiring to share with the people of that culture. These men, these individuals that were coming with this pushback against the gospel, they were unwilling as Isaiah says, to, to come together, to reason together. They, they didn't want to reason together. They were unreasonable men. Isaiah says, come, let us reason together. That's what we might know about sin. And though our sin was as scarlet, it could be as white as crimson. Though it's red, or it could be white as snow. Though it's red like crimson, it could be like wool. I love what Isaiah says, come, let us reason. Let us talk about these things. But these men were not willing to reason together. If you remember in Paul's ministry a little bit later from the time that he was in Thessalonica, he was in the area of Athens. And he went up on Mars Hill and up on Mars Hill. That's where the intellectuals were. That's where the the, the philosophers were. And Paul went up there and began to reason the scriptures with them. And these guys debated for a while. They, they continued to go back and forth for a while. And then we learn, we understand that as they heard, again, as Paul began speaking, they were doing fine until he spoke about Jesus being raised from the dead. And then their little intellectual minds blew. It literally blew their minds. How can somebody be raised from the dead? That does not fit into my human logic at all. As a matter of fact, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 17 that when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, then some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. And so Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed. He reasoned the scripture with them. Some received, some mocked. I don't know if you figured it out yet. But the people that you and I, we share the truth of the gospel in our lives, some are going to mock you. As a matter of fact, let me stretch it here and, and tell you, most will not receive your message. That's just the reality. And you might say, man, I, I had all the right verses. I read the little book about sharing my faith. I did everything that was in the book and they still didn't come to Christ. What did I do wrong? Not a thing. Some will receive, but most will reject. Unreasonable men will not reason the scriptures together. Beloved, we just need to understand we continue, but the wickedness of man, the sinful nature that initially blocks his understanding and the receipt of that message of the gospel is going to be there. However, we also know 
that the Holy Spirit of God can break through that barrier. He can reveal the truth to that individual, even though that truth has been given to him multiple, multiple, multiple times. Don't give up. Don't stop just because someone rejects the truth of that gospel, of the gospel. I don't know about you, but I could probably, we could probably go around the room and, and ask, how many times did you really hear the truth of the gospel message before you became a believer in Christ? Some became believers in Christ in adult age, and yet that message they had heard through the years. Some had ran rampant in the, in the world for years and years and years against everything that they were trained as a child to only come to a final point where finally that message connected and they understood the truth of the word of God. Don't give up on sharing the hope of the gospel. They might hear, again, that message sitting right with someone. You, you might have four or five people there and you're just sitting there at a coffee table or at a restaurant. You're sharing that message with a multitude uh, of three or four and the same words, the same impact, the same scriptures you're, you're sharing with them. One's going to receive it. One says, I'll receive it later, I'll talk later, and one will totally reject. That's just the reality and the truth of where humanity is. But we don't stop sharing the gospel. Paul asked for prayer for him and for the team and for the outcome of the word of the Lord. And then he says, for not all have faith. I don't think that Paul is making a such a a duh type of a statement, okay? I think what Paul is speaking about is, again, even within the church, not all have faith. We know that the world doesn't have faith. We know that they're not going to receive or that they have a hard time receiving. But I believe that he's speaking even of those that are within, within the covering of the church, not all have faith. But this doesn't slow Paul down. It doesn't stifle the faith and the message of the apostle. He remains confident that God is always faithful, always faithful to his purposes. So Paul gives this continued encouragement. Look at verse three. He says, but the Lord is faithful. Who will establish you and guard you from the evil one? For we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command. He says, now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of God. When Paul uses that word here to establish that the Lord who is faithful, who will establish you and guard you. He uses a Greek word here, sterizo, sterizo. And in the ancient Greek, that word meant to to take a a vine, like a grapevine, and to literally prop it up. Or for an aged man, an, an older man, to be held up or stabilized by a cane. That kind of an idea. May the Lord establish you. May the Lord lift you up. May the Lord come around you to hold you up to give you that foundation to be able to stand against all that's there and guard you from the evil one. Guys, I don't know about you, but do you feel sometimes like the enemy is about to just knock you over, take the wind out of your sails, take your feet out from underneath you? The prayer there is that the Lord would would establish you against the attack, that he would lift you up that he would be that stabilizing factor, that your relationship with Christ is what holds you, not the circumstances and the, 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 that you live in, not the environment 
that you find around you, but that Christ in you becomes the very hope and the stability of your life. Do you feel sometimes you're just growing so weary and so tired in that walk of faith? Man, I want to live for the Lord, but man, I'm doing battle with my flesh. I'm doing battle with my family, doing battle with the world. And it's so hard to continue to walk in faith. I pray that the Lord would be the storizo, the establishment, the lifter up, the supporter of your life. Because guys, you and I on our own, we're not going to make it. The the, the enemy is going to come against us everywhere he can. Paul uses that same word and he, he even explains its meaning when he writes to the church in Rome. In Romans 1, 11, he says, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that you may be established, that you might be lifted up, that you might be encouraged. He says, that is, that I may encourage together, or that I may be encouraged together with you. That's what he's speaking, to establish, to encourage. Encouraged in the faith, bringing this idea of establishing, strengthening, steadfastly set. Peter, when he writes to the church in his message in in his book, 2 Peter chapter 1, he writes, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. Now, we could go into that chapter, but earlier in that chapter, he speaks about those things that are the positive part of our Christian lives, the the thoughts, the attitudes, the actions that we need to be taking as believers. And Peter says, I'm not gonna be negligent to remind you of these things because though you know them, it's through these that you are established in the present truth. It's when you and I, again, understand fully what God has called us to be as individuals. When you and I understand, are responsive to, and obedient to what God has called us to as believers. Beloved, that's where our strength is coming because we are doing the will of God and in that his spirit is strengthening and encouraging us. Not only will he establish us in our walk, But as he says, the Lord who is faithful will guard you from the evil one. Guard you from the evil one. As a believer in Christ, whether you recognize it or not, you're under a continual spiritual attack. Some might say, well, what do you you mean a spiritual attack? I'm, I'm fine. Or some are saying, well, of course we are. But you know, there are some, as believers, they feel... I don't really feel that that spiritual attack. I honestly feel that's because some have never fully committed their lives or they have backed away so far from their diligence in faithfulness to the Lord and so far that they don't realize that their condition is the result of that very attack of the enemy. You see, the enemy has attacked them and has pushed them back and pushed them back, again, from the diligence toward doing and working and moving in the things of Christ in their life, in seeking after the things of Christ in their life, in being obedient to the things of Christ in their life. Yes, they're believers, but the attack has gone so much that they've allowed themselves to be pushed so far back that they have now found comfort in the world And they don't feel the attack of the enemy 
because they are finding comfort in the world. But beloved, that in itself is one of the most deceptive attacks of the enemy, to put us at ease to the point that we are lulled into spiritual sleep. And when we are there, beloved, that is such a, such a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Paul prays, again, that the Lord would guard them from that. In the weariness of their spirit, they've allowed the enemy to come in, making their, their, their faith walk uncertain without the energizing work of the Holy Spirit within their life. And by now, they be, they've become ineffectual within the kingdom of God, or they're, they're, they're not usable for his purposes. No longer are, are we a vessel ready, willing, and able to be used in the kingdom's purposes. But no, we've been filled by the things of the world, and we're settling back into the whole attitude of the world. Beloved, that's an attack of the enemy. We need to stand against that. We need to seek the Lord in our lives. If we truly know the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to stand against those things. Although Paul's time with the Thessalonians was a short time, Paul lived out before them the reality and the truth of the Christian life. He hid nothing from them. He modeled for them the need for obedience, the need for submission, the need for humility within his life. They saw in Paul one who is submitted to the will of God, even to his own hurt, obedient to the plans and the purposes of God, even above and beyond his own plans. They saw Paul as a man who would stand his ground against the attack of the enemy as he modeled that Christian life in front of them, they were able, the church there was able to see, they were able to experience how they themselves should stand in the world, even when the world itself is totally anti-Christ. They lived in the culture of the Roman church. They lived in the culture of the Roman empire where, where the, the, the perversity of sin was everywhere. The wickedness of sin was everywhere. It was undeniable, and it was surrounding those as believers as they're trying to stand for Christ in the midst of the wickedness, in the midst of unreasonable men, in the midst of wicked men, they were trying to stand for Christ in the midst of that. And the Roman Empire, beloved, was so again, perverted, that I, I look at our nation right now, and I think, man, we are getting so right there. We are getting so right there. It's difficult to stand for Christ when the entire culture that you're in begins pushing against it and pushing against it, and harder and harder that's going to be. Should the Lord tarry, it's going to get harder and harder to stand for Christ, to stand for righteousness in the midst of a dark and of a dying world. But beloved, because we are the messengers of Christ, because we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world shining through us, Christ himself shining through us, that just means that we need to stand stronger, we need to be closer, we need to be connected with the reality and the truth of Christ in our own life and then obedient and submissive to the Spirit of Christ working in our lives so that we can stand against the enemy. Open our hearts, change us from within by the 
Living a life that honors God sounds good in theory, but it's difficult in practice. The more we strive to please Jesus with our words and works, the more the enemy will try to pull us off our path or set up roadblocks of discouragement. What we need at these times is perseverance, and that's what we learn from the book of 2 Thessalonians. We hope that as Pastor David continues to study this New Testament letter, you find your faith renewed and your courage strengthened. If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you can do so at our website, theopenword.com. Just click on Teachings. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. And here to bring you a personal invitation to join us is Pastor David. Oh, absolutely. We here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we've got a seat waiting for you at our worship services. Come by on Saturday or Sunday or even Wednesday if you like. And we guarantee you'll meet some smiling faces and discover more about Jesus. We're nothing special as a church, just a diverse group of Jesus-loving people who delight in the challenge of the truth of God's Word. Come as you are, you'll fit right in. You'll be able to find out more about us when you visit our website, theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. That website again is theopenword.com. Just follow the link to our church's homepage. That's all we have time for today. But be sure to join us again for more insights into the book of 2 Thessalonians right here on The Open Word.